You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. All right, well, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 11 is where we're actually going to end up and focus on tonight. Uh, today we're going to talk about the manifestations of the Spirit from this text, uh, mostly are more popularly known as the gifts of the Spirit. And like Pastor Robin said, we are going to have a QA. and um, We're going to try to get to your questions. If you have a question as I'm teaching, um, man, feel free to write it down. And if I, we don't answer all your questions, I'll do a live devotional. As you guys know, we do. I usually do about two devotionals a week, uh, just as God gives me things. I'd love to answer some of your questions. Uh, but it's really been sweet how the Lord has been working in our body and the conversations we've been having. And uh, it really is a sort of a deep dive in our study through Exodus. Exodus is a big story about how God redeems. This pattern of how God saves and redeems and has a plan and purpose for the Israelites is sort of the same pattern that he works for us today. And we find ourselves as a church body in Exodus chapter 13, um, where we had a message on how God was leading his people. Um, how God was leading his people. And uh, as you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, I'll read just two verses in Exodus chapter 13 and 21 and 22, because I think it gives us a little standard in context of why we're going to the New Testament in this way. Um, It says this in Exodus, And the Lord went before them, speaking of the people, by day and in the pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. And they might travel by day and by night. So in the night and in the dark, they're to travel, they're to walk with God. He's leading them. And the pillar of the cloud by day and the pillar of the fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now, if you were with us in that Bible study, how God leads his people, you know the three points of how sort of God leads his people in this text. We looked at a little bit more, but God leads us in unusual ways. Uh, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But he actually leads us in a place where we would walk with him, that is faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it's impossible to please God by faith. So he leads us in these unusual ways where we have to trust him. And then the primary way he leads us is through his presence, the person of Jesus, the word. And we see this sort of illustration in this pillar of cloud. The pillar of cloud by day was a pillar of cloud. It was a cloud. You're used to that. But it was a supernatural cloud because it was in the wilderness. And it's this picture of the supernatural word of God, how it guides us and how he leads us uh, by his word. The Shekinah glory of God was in this cloud, that God would give the word to his people. And the Bible says in Exodus that God actually spoke from this cloud. This cloud was a supernatural, natural way that God worked. Just how as we go to God's word and we're walking with the Lord, he supernaturally works in a natural way sometimes, doesn't he? You just read a verse and he speaks to you and ministers to you and it's, it's for our equipping and for our edification. This is how he leads us. But that cloud, the Bible says, turned into fire. Okay? That was unusual. We don't see fire in the sky a lot. Okay? And in the New Testament, the Bible talks about how, well, actually throughout all the Bible, the talk talks about how the, the, our God is a consuming fire, how fire represents the Holy Spirit. And the way that God leads us in the, through the, the body of Christ uh, is through fellowship in the body of Christ and manifestation, manifesta- uh, manifesting His Spirit through us. 
the people of God. Because now that Jesus came, removed our sin, we actually have been sealed by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit of God wants to empower us to be on mission to bring Him glory. And so we can minister to one another as the body, and we actually saw a beautiful demonstration of that that night where the gifts were operated, and it was an amazing, incredible way. And so we had the presence of God, the, the living Word, the written Word, uh, the, the Holy Spirit. And um, one person that I'm going to refer to tonight is a guy named Glenn Schaefer. We have a discipleship uh, book or curriculum, uh, Christianity 101, Discipleship 201, where he uh, defines a lot of terms and we take people through these uh, curriculum. Uh, the, important, this, the important idea is we actually just disciple people. So it doesn't have to be this curriculum, but it's a systematic way that we disciple people, uh, uh, which I would encourage you guys, if you want to be discipled, come talk to us. We'd love to meet with you one-on-one and take you through stuff, what the Scripture says. Uh, and I'm going to be quoting a lot of David Guzik as well. He's a Bible commentator for Enduring Word. So this is why I have my tablet right here, um, because I'm going to just up front give you a lot of definitions tonight. And because it's so much, I want to be strategic in my language, and I've written stuff down to define things. So this is going to be more of a teaching. But Glenn Schaefer, who wrote these discipleship books that we've taken a few of you guys through, he says the gifts of the Spirit are just that. They function as the Holy Spirit wills in the life of a believer. This Greek word for gift, he says, is grace. It's kindness or graciousness. God graciously desires to reveal himself through the life of the believer. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above and is from the Father, like James 1.17 says. So any grace or operation of the Holy Spirit is considered a gift. Jesus said signs will accompany those who believe, Mark 16.17, and these signs are by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God gives us gifts by His grace to edify and build one another up His body. Ephesians chapter 4 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. It's something you receive. It's a, it's a gift. The Holy Spirit wants to use you as a believer. I hope that you embrace that, you receive that, you accept that. And part of this way is God gives gifts to men as a proof that He actually not only died but rose again, having victory. And Ephesians 4 tells us, And these gifts are precious and a special thing. The Holy Spirit wants to use us to glorify Christ, and He empowers us to do this, and it is by God's grace. And so we rejoice in this grace. And this Greek word translated manifestations literally means to exhibit, to reveal, or to shine forth. So when we manifest the gifts of the Spirit, we're revealing, we're reflecting, we're actually uh, uh, shining forth God's power, His strength, and being able to serve in a capacity like God wants us to. And so when the Holy Spirit wills, He may manifest Himself in certain ways as He wills, as He wants. And this is what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11 talk about, these manifestations, these gifts, that I want to just go over with you tonight and more of like a teaching as far as definition so you understand and you comprehend. Um, as a side note, it's important to say, though, that the Holy Spirit is always present with believers. As you put your faith in Jesus, you are baptized into the body of Christ. And oftentimes, when we talk about the manifestations or revealing, we think, oh, we, people are like, oh, I'm, I want that, and I want the presence of God. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. But there's something special when the body of Christ comes together. We even know this. Jesus taught when two 
three are gathered in my name. Jesus is in our midst. And there is something that we can do together that we cannot do alone in the body of Christ. We are to be interdependent of one another. Even the most beautiful thing of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, we're to love one another. And so we need one another. And we reflect Christ as we are gathered together. God wants to work in us and bear fruit as we abide in Jesus and love one another. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit, he is with us. He is God. And he is apparent at all times in our life, always working, always good, in us and with us. But he comes upon us to display his power and to get the mission of God done. His primary role is to elevate and lift up Jesus. And so I say that because in the body of Christ, I believe there's a wrongful doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation and gifts of the Spirit that you must speak in tongues to be filled with the Spirit. Or you have to, uh, a lot of people when they talk about gifts of the Spirit, they get very upset about the Holy Spirit and how He manifests Himself as if He's a genie and we can just say, now do this or do that. It's not the case. God wants to give us these gifts by His grace, and He displays these things as He so chooses for our good. And so if He doesn't want to do something, He is God. We are not. We're following Him. Remember that, Christians. Okay? All right? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul. as He's describing the manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, and uh, in this text, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. And so when we're talking about this in Exodus, God's manifesting himself in services, doing all this amazing stuff. Um, I think it's a good sort of way we can dive down in and just talk about these things. That's why after tonight's teaching, we'll have some Q&A and um, hopefully it'll be edifying and beneficial for you. Um, and so let's read this together and then we'll study it. And then again, it's going to be a lot of definitions, but a lot of help from Glenn Schaefer, David Guzik, resources we use, uh, free Bible commentary, things like that. It's just really good. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So he even gives reason of why God would give manifestations of the Spirit. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, so to another the interpretation of tongues." All these, speaking of these manifestations, these gifts, are empowered by one, the same Spirit, by God Himself, who apportions to each one, that's you and I, individually, as He wills. So let's pray again. God, we thank You so much that we can talk about these things, that You give us, um, Lord, just the mystery of Your will. You speak through Your Word, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that You would teach as that teacher Lord, in our lives, that you would give us this truth, that you would help uh, reveal yourself to us through your word. God, we thank you so much that we can go to your word, that we can look at these things. We thank you how you're working actively, Holy Spirit, in all of our lives. You know everything that's going on. I pray this to be a beneficial time, fruitful, and that we would just enjoy studying your word. God, it's such a blessing to be able to talk to you even now and even to receive your word as you speak to us. And so, Father, 
We are children. We love you. We thank you that we can pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we do so now, trusting that you even give the gift of teaching to explain these things to us. Be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, so the teaching aspect. This is a, a, um, a long list of different gifts that God gives for the common good to build the body of Christ up. It's in the Bible. We read about this. We know that when two or more are gathered together in Jesus' name, he is in our midst. We see this in Revelation, how he walks amongst the churches. It's a, the assembly, ecclesia, the church, people gathered together to bring him glory. And as God's people, the church, we have gatherings where we worship Jesus, lift him up, and he reveals things to us. He speaks to us, ministers to us. God wants for us to use our gifts when we come together. And oftentimes we don't even recognize this, realize this, because some of these gifts are more prominent than others. But it doesn't make that one gift is different than the other. This is what Paul is saying, that we're all a part of the body and we have different gifts for, in verse 7, the common good. So oftentimes, you guys are sitting there, I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit actually has used the gift of teaching to edify you. Now you may not know this all the time, but I know this. Because I, never, I didn't have the gift of teaching at one point. It didn't all make sense to me. I don't know how to do it. All of a sudden, God gave me that gift, and I was actually able to explain the Bible in a clear way. It's incredible. It's a supernatural gift. And yes, there is ability. Yes, there is personality through preaching the gift of the Spirit. It's also in teaching and administration and leadership and organizing. And these things are explained in the Bible. And so they demonstrate and they manifest themselves as we come together as a body for the church, learning about Jesus, lifting him up. And we should have an expectation that God would use these gifts and manifest himself in these ways as, we, as he walks in our midst. This um, would mean in a service or in a home fellowship or just as we're gathered to lift Jesus up as believers. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be in a service, but it's when the people of God get together and are glorifying Jesus, we're able to build one another up. And this is why fellowship is so important. Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren because we're to, to, to stir one another up to do good works. And so these supernatural manifestations should be, in a sense, a natural expression in the life of a church and the believer because this is what the Bible teaches that will display and happen. Now, why do I say this? Because oftentimes when we say and talk and have a conversation about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, we think it's sometimes weird when people refer to like a vision or speaking in tongues or a, a word from the Lord or prophecy. But we have to think biblically about these ideas. And even as Pastor Robin was taking, talking announcements, I loved it. He kept on repeating, well, if Jesus rose from the dead, he could do anything. This is the expectation we have. God can do anything. He is God. We are not. The Bible even declares nothing is impossible for him. And he actually even tells us how he will work and his, the mystery of his will to be displayed for his glory like Ephesians 1, 9, and 10 talk about. But these things are for today and we should practice these things together for the common good to edify one another. Uh, let me give you a few examples in our church. Uh, recently, we had a person in our church who had a prophetic word for a couple. Okay? And during that day, I was actually praying for this couple. Uh, I did not tell that person at the service or this couple that I was praying um, of how God was leading me and guiding me, but they gave a specific word, a prophetic word, that they should go a certain way. 
Uh, and what was amazing uh, as a leader is to see the Lord work amongst his body. I didn't have to tell anyone, and just through prayer, God gave a specific word about the exact thing I was praying for. It's really nice as a leader to say, wow, this is how the Lord leads. I guess this is a confirmation. Awesome. Uh, another example would be our sweet time of prayer. Uh, when we were having our fasting and praying, many of you participated, which, by the way, thank you. We prayed and fasted uh, for five days as kids are starting uh, school and students, and many of you came over to our house to pray. And it was a sweet time of prayer. I mean, just expectation, awesome. As we were praying, it was so cool. Another lady couldn't make it to the prayer meeting, but she actually had a vision, and she wrote it out, and she texted me as we're praying. And I was like, this is awesome. God's working in our church, even in this little, this little prayer meeting, and while someone's praying at the same time, and we're praying for the same thing, and God's giving visions. This is awesome. It's great. This is part of how the body works. And I feel sometimes as a pastor, I get to see glimpses because I'm leading and seeing people's story and hearing uh, people um, as God's working in their life and these things are displaying. But sometimes we don't actually put the whole picture together because part of our fellowship is maybe just a service. Uh, or maybe you're involved in a community group, or maybe you missed that story or that service when that thing happened. And so it's important for us to, to talk about these things in a natural thing, to experience these things, to exercise these things, and to understand that these gifts that we just read still happen today in the body of Christ. And we experience these, even our church, uh, Redemption Church, in an everyday practical way. And so Paul goes on and explains what these manifestations are, these gifts. And it's a long list. And so what I've done is I've broken them down into three categories. Three categories for you. This necessarily isn't a biblical thing. It doesn't say, you know, subtitle this, this, and this. But I think it will actually help us when it comes to a long list. And I got this sort of broken down from uh, Glenn Schaefer and how he sort of defines some things. Uh, there are sort of three categories. Gifts of revelation, gifts of power, and gifts of utterance. Now, other passages in the Bible would be Ephesians chapter 4, talk about spiritual gifts. First uh, Peter chapter 4, talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, even Romans chapter 12 actually talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to look at this, and these aren't necessarily biblical categories, uh, but they could just be helpful as a resource for us to remember. You're not going to get a quiz after the service about what are the nine manifestations of the Spirit, but just as we're going, and so I can go quickly to sort of help you. And so this first section is uh, gifts of revelation. This would include a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And so uh, these revelatory gifts refer to the Holy Spirit revealing His mind and His knowledge to us and through us as believers. Uh, these gifts may come by a vision. They may come by a dream, prophecy, tongues, interpretations, or by the speaking of the Holy Spirit in just the heart of the believers. They sit still before the Lord. We believe and trust that God gives revelation to believers today. And of course, He gives revelation through Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says that the Holy Spirit has inspired Scripture, the Logos, written Word of God. But we also believe in the prophetic Word of God, which is another Greek word, Rhema. It's the word in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, where the Bible encourages husbands to, to wash their wives in the word, the rhema, the spoken word, a revelatory, a revelation. Uh, logos is the written word, rhema is the spoken word, and I believe that we need both. A passage you may be familiar with is in 
Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when the enemy is tempting Jesus, and Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but you probably know this, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And did you know that passage is not saying by every logos that comes from God. It says by every rhema, spoken word, that we would declare the word and truth of God, Scripture to one another, and the truth of who he is and what he has to say to one another. That we are to depend on God's word, and God is a God that speaks because he's a God that's alive. So these gifts can be very helpful and important to us as we're navigating our lives and God specifically speaks to our situation through his word. As Jesus would say, my sheep hear my voice. And oftentimes it's a still small voice. It's something where we just a burst highlights to us. It just pops out or maybe through a vision or through these things, but he manifests himself because he walks with us. And so he gives us these First category gifts, these revelatory, uh, revelatory gifts of uh, revelation of a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom. This is a unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of God, especially in an important situation. You know, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. And sometimes Proverbs says a, sp- a fitly spoken word is like an apple on a silver platter. It's just, you need a timely word. It's really important. Examples would be like in, in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was going before the Pharisees about to be stoned. He had these words of wisdom to speak directly to their heart or a situation like Paul. Many times in his journey, God would give him a word of wisdom about uh, what to do in the future like Acts chapter 23 or Acts 27. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit that allows a person to receive the mind of God on what and how something is to take place. Or Old Testament examples, like when Joseph had the dream to interpret the dream and not only tell the, the emperor or the king, hey, the famine's going to come, but this is what you should do. He got a word of wisdom from the Lord, and he even gives glory in that story to the Lord. He says, it's not me. Or like Daniel the prophet, hey, it's not me. They recognized they had, he had a spirit of God inside. He's not, I'm not giving these secrets. God is giving it to me. It's a word of wisdom. And so the Bible says that we can have the mind of Christ, that God could reveal things to us to guide us and direct us, manifest himself in this way. Now, this is a little bit different than a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is the unique ability to declare knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally, such as Jesus displayed like in Matthew chapter 17, or even Paul in Acts chapter 27, verses 23 and 26. It's this manifestation of the Holy Spirit that gives a fragment of divine knowledge that has presently taken place or has happened. Again, it's this this fragment of divine knowledge that presently has taken place or has happened. This gift is a portion or a part of a supernatural facts, information that a person would not normally know. So to be revealed something, a word of knowledge would be like, oh, how would I know that? God just reveals what has happened. And so a word of knowledge deals sort of like how I think about it is like the past and present. I could have a word of knowledge about something or something they're going through that the Lord reveals to me. But a word of wisdom, it really addresses like the future of like how should I apply that knowledge or walk in the future of these things. God does both. It's pretty awesome. And then there's the discerning of spirits. The ability of God to distinguish by what spirit an action or a manifestation is occurring. Uh, It's often called the gift of discernment. Praise God that many of our wives have that gift, okay? This is an important gift to use, especially when people are claiming, thus says the Lord. 
Some of you guys may ask, well, how do I know if it's of the Lord or not, or this word or prophecy? Many times the Bible tells us uh, that this gift is helpful for uh, a prophetic word, and in, the, in this list, it's actually listed right after the gifts of prophecy for this reason. Having the gift of discernment is more than just um, testing the spirits, uh, like we all should, according to God's word, 1 John 4, 1. It says, test all spirits, and we can test things through the word of God, what is written, because we know God is a God of order. So if someone says, thus says the Lord, and it's a false doctrine, we can say, well, yeah, no, we don't pray to Mary because there's only one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2. Bam. That's how you would test a spirit. That's an important aspect that we all should do, testing the spirits. But what if someone just gives us something and we don't know what to do? God can supernaturally sort of give people red flags. Say, like many times my wife has like red flags about things. Discerning of spirits. Hey, this, just watch out for this. this is, there's something off right here. And it's actually the supernatural ability. And we see this uh, in the life of Peter, Acts chapter 8, uh, our Paul in Acts chapter 16. They have this discernment, and they're able to know between what is of the Holy Spirit and what is of not the Holy Spirit. Because remember, there is an Antichrist. There is demonic activity, and they come as angels of lights. And so we, uh, I personally have seen this gift help our church in many ways. Because God has given many people in our church this discernment of spirits or, um, and, and to be able to recognize, like, don't go down that route or don't listen to this. And I, I know that people that have practiced that, and so I listen to them more. Even if I may not understand, trust in God uses this, and it saved our church many times and helped us. And so these are gifts of revelation. God just gives you these things. The next category of this list is gifts of power. Am I going too fast? I probably am, but walk with me. Gifts of healing, works of miracles, and gifts of faith. Categorized sort of as gifts of power that are here today. Gifts of power refer to the work of God and believers to do the work of Jesus here on earth. Just think about that. You can do the work of Jesus here on earth. Just as he preached the gospel and said the kingdom of God is here, we can preach the gospel, man. It's amazing. And he does, he's done supernatural things and still does supernatural things, and we can walk in that. And one of these manifestations, Paul says, is this gift of faith. Gift of faith. Again, these are, ex, uh, these are uh, I don't want to say explosions, but these are things that all believers are saved by faith. But then there's actually an expression deposit a, 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 of this gift of faith to trust God in an extraordinary way. Uh, I wrote this down through faith. Is essential, though faith is an essential part of every Christian's life, the gift of faith is the unique ability to trust God against all circumstances. Just sort of like Peter did when he walked on water. God said, why don't you step out? And he's like, let's do it. I trust you. And it was just this burst of faith, and he was able to walk in the supernatural and do something incredible. There is a boldness with this gift that goes beyond just the faith that an individual might normally have. Uh, the way that this is demonstrated is many people, I realize this because God has given me gifts of faith to do some crazy things, i.e., move from Washington State to Florida, not knowing anyone, but the Lord said, go. So I was like, yeah, let's go. No job, don't know anyone, have kids. What's the plan of action? I don't know, I'm trusting God. He gave me a gift of faith to plant a church. My wife and I, to go, okay? And so 
I've seen that expression. I've seen that uh, manifested in many of those, uh, many of you, many of us, as we've trusted the Lord and God has given us this gift of faith to just trust Him in a, in a special way. Special faith received at the moment or duration for a particular need. Even as Peter, in Acts chapter 3, he was like, yeah, money and silver I don't have, but rise up and walk. He just had that faith that God can do it, and he just, God just did stuff. And it was amazing. And we see that even in the Gospels as Jesus marvels at people when they have this great expression of faith and of trust and it's displayed in the supernatural power. Uh, there's the gift of healings. The gift of healings. Now, this is God's healing power, either given or received. This list, uh, this is listed as a plural, healings, because God is able to heal many types of diseases in many types of ways, okay? Uh, this is best demonstrated in Christ's life. When he came and you read the Gospels, there's so many different kinds of illnesses and diseases and our infirmaries that God just would supernaturally heal. And I know that some of you have said this because I've said this. Maybe, maybe you're not as cynical as I am. It's just me, okay? I'm going to put this weight on me. I'm like, all right, if, if you have the gift of healing, why aren't you in the hospital? Just go in the hospital and start, just start healing everyone, right? I mean, come on, man, let's do this, right? It's as God wills, and it's for his will for the common good. And God actually tells us to anoint people with oil to ask and to pray. And God tells us no as well. And so I've actually seen people that haven't had the gift of healing and they've expressed that. And it's not like, oh, if I just touch everyone, everyone's healed. God will directly give them even sometimes some of these gifts together like a word of knowledge. Like my wife, we've been on vacation and she's had a word of knowledge about someone who had back injury and she's like, I don't even, or it was back or knee. I forget now. She's going to, she knows the story better than I do. But she's like, hey, hold on real quick. I got to talk to this lady. And then she said, I don't know why, but I have to pray for you for your back or your knee. Okay. And then God just gave her that. And we, you know, she prayed for this lady. And the lady was like, yeah, I haven't been to church for a few years because of my back and knee. And so I just came today just trusting God. And now how do you even know this? That would be expression of certain gifts. Or like as elders, Sue, you guys all know her, just a few weeks ago gave the testimony of how she had operation on her shoulder and we anointed her with oil and she was in pain and we prayed and then the pain went away and God healed her. And it's pretty awesome. But God does say no. And God does, it's a manifestation, it's an expression. It's not just like, well, I have the gift of healing, so boom, you're healed. Or give me some money now, oh, we'll just express. I'm like better than a doctor. No, it's this expression as God wills. You even see the apostles. They didn't heal everyone. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Did he heal everyone? No. Did you know he went up to the mountain, prayed? Peter was like, hey, everyone's here. You're going to be healing and healing. He said, nope, sorry. Talk to the Father. He told me to go to the next town over and to preach the good news. You see, the greatest healing is salvation, our soul. There is ultimate healing for a believer. You realize that, right? Because if God doesn't heal you now, he's going to heal you ultimately. We get resurrected bodies, and the gift of healing is, does happen all the time. And so if not now, then it's later. But God does heal and has that resurrection power to display that. And when he does it, it's a manifestation of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's these working of healing. There's working of miracles. This Greek word is where we get the word in English, dynamite, right? Acts chapter 1, acts of power. This describes when the Holy Spirit chooses to override just the laws of nature. 
Gravity says if you do this, you fall. Miracle, you do this, you don't fall. Just defies the laws of nature. And God actually does this. It's sort of like a pilot who overrides the manual control. God working in through available person. Um, God said that there is nothing impossible for him. And we clearly worship a God of miracles because he was able to bear all of our sin on a cross, die, rise again after three days. And so I know a lot of people sometimes, they, they have a hard time when they read a story like Jonah and being in the fish of a belly, even though Jesus said and referred to that as not an allegory but real thing. And they say, well, that's just a metaphor, an allegory. It's scripture. It's pretty clear. If God wants to do something supernatural, he just does supernatural things. He's God. He does those things. And thank God he does it. We praise God and we're saved because God loved us before we loved him. He actually, in our sins, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our God became fully man and fully human. Your mind should just explode at that comment. That's a miracle. That's incredible. He lived a sinless life. That's the gospel. That's a fundamental doctrine. He was born of a virgin. This is all, these are all miracles. And he's a God of miracles. He doesn't change. So he still works in supernatural ways and he intervenes in our normal, everyday life and breaks laws of nature to display his glory, just like how he displayed his glory in the book of Exodus to free his people. So God usually gives gifts of faith with the gifts of stepping out and operating in something like the gifts of healing or, or those type of things. I think of Peter, um, or was it Paul? Paul, he healed a, a crippled man in Acts chapter 14, I think. And it's like, okay, is that a gift to healing? Is that a gift to faith? It, it, it's sort of sometimes it works all together. Or wait, was that a gift of miracles? Because a crippled man can't really pull it out of his hand. You just got to trust God. And the, remember, these categories are just a list of to Paul displaying how God operates. And it doesn't necessarily mean, and these are the only nine gifts, and that's it. Because if you read in Romans, there's some other list as well. Just throwing that out there for you. The last category, after gifts of utterance, gift, our, uh, gift of power is the gifts of utterance. This is the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. This category is listed as such because each of these gifts come through speaking, utterance. They bring encouragement, exhortation, and strength to others. Prophecy is for the edification of others. Tongues spoken in public should require an interpretation and equals prophecy and value when interpreted. Oftentimes, these gifts have been abused, or I would say misused in the church, so people shy away from them. But this shouldn't be the case. Because even in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it lays out the order of how we are to operate as a church today. Paul actually addresses these specific gifts of prophecy and tongues, how we should operate them in the church and exercise them, which is very helpful and gives us insight and order. 1 Corinthians 14. In fact, verse 33 says, God is, a God, uh, is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And when these gifts are operated for the church, then they are a beautiful and edifying thing. And so let's think about this gift of prophecy. It's a foretelling or a telling forth of God's message in a particular situation, always in accordance with his word and his current work. The gift of prophecy is the most probably common, explained, promoted, and accepted gift um, as 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14 speaks all about it. 
It's operated even as I teach sometimes. Brian knows this because I give him my notes, and half the time I don't stick to my notes because I feel like God's telling me to say something else in the moment. It's a, it's a timely word. And so 1 Corinthians 14.1 starts off and says, Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, that you may tell forth of God's message to particular people in a situation. A word of prophecy isn't just a foretelling of the future, right? Because we think about prophets like Jeremiah or um, Habakkuk or um, Amos, Micah. They did speak of prophetic things to come, but they were just speaking on behalf of God. And because God is God and he knows the past, present, future, he's able to blow your mind and say, this is going to happen and it comes true. But it could literally be a prophetic word, could just literally be a Bible verse of what God has said. And we have a lot of what God has said. So oftentimes we can read a Bible verse in the morning and think that wasn't even for me. And then then all of a sudden we think we are in a situation and God says, the Holy Spirit brings that verse to our minds and we speak that over the people. And that's actually a prophetic word. And so although a lot of prophecy in the Bible is like this, um, God actually wants to speak inspiration through His Spirit, through His people, and help us understand the will of God and His purposes. Uh, it's a man speaking forth on behalf of God, which I know just that just right there sounds crazy, and a lot of you are scared to, to prophesy. But this is something that Paul said, you should earnestly desire this gift. Why? Because it builds people up. It, it's, it's amazing um, when you see an anointed preacher, someone speaking forth, a word from the Lord. Or oftentimes when I'm teaching the Bible, I'll say something and I'll go veer off my notes and people will say, how did you know this? That's exactly what I was reading or the situation I'm going through. And I'm like, I didn't. I just know I was operating in that gift and God was speaking and sharing that to you. And so this gift again is given to build up the church, encourage one another. Um, and it's important. Now let me say this about prophecy. Uh, I think it's important. I just feel like I'm just rushing so much. I could do a Bible study on each one of these things, but I'm trying to give you an overview, and uh, don't worry, we're going to be in Exodus next week as well as we just continue to go through our study, but uh, I think it's important to say it's different um, from the ministry of a prophet, okay? Uh, Not everyone is a prophetess or a prophet, uh, as Paul and the Word of God describes, uh, the Bible says we all should prophesy, but it doesn't mean you're a prophet. A prophet is a person that would be in this office of qualifications described in 1 Timothy chapter 3, like an elder with this apostolic gift. Uh, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, that God gave the church apostles, uh, which means sent one, where we actually get our word missionary from, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So God actually can give the office of a prophet, office of a pastor, uh, like I am a office, a, a, a office of a pastor, pastoring this church, but it doesn't mean that you guys can't shepherd and love one another. You are to operate in those things, okay? And so when you have the qualifications of what the Bible requires as a godly leader, that's when you can have that office. And too often times, people get so confused because when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, it's very hard because a lot of people are immature and God gives gifts liberally. So it's not really even based off your maturity. So you can have a gift, you can misuse it. You remember Saul when he was chasing after David and the Spirit of God fell upon him? It's like this dude's living in carnality and the Spirit of God drops on him and he's now prophesying. And sometimes in the church, the Bible actually does talk about that, how people have actually misused the gifts 
He gives order. And this is why 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, right in the middle of that, is this beautiful chapter called the love chapter, how we're to love one another. See, so many people, they go off the gifts of the Spirit, but the Bible says we're actually to go and mature in love. That's the greatest commandment. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 talk about the fruit of the Spirit is love, gentleness, kindness, self-control, discipline. These things we're to obtain. And if you have love in your life as a Christian, that is God working in your life and the Spirit of God moving in your life. And that is something that we are to pursue and understand. And so Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, that prophecy is to be judged and it's to be limited in public meetings. He says in verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let others weigh in what is said. Verse 20, 32 says the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. So when there is prophecy, we are to test things, right? Having the test of uh, test all spirits, a prophet is subject to a prophet, the Bible says. Paul tells us that we prophesy in part, 1 Corinthians 13.9. So we may not even have the, the right interpretation, but we can exercise this gift and we know that this is not considered equal weight to the Word of God. We are to judge things off the Word of God because the Spirit has clearly spoken and inspired the Word of God. So if a prophecy is against God's Word, that's a very easy way for us to test it. It's very important. And so many people can just chase after a prophetic word spiritual gifts. But can I just give you some godly counsel? Uh, the best and wisest plan is, is to be men and women of God's word because it equips us to live a holy life, godliness. The Holy Spirit has given us this ability to know God's will and we don't have to chase after the latest prophet or this prophecies or all these different things. God has revealed to us his word and this is why we systematically teach through the word of God because this is his primary way that he speaks. He says he esteems his word over his name. And so if you're just chasing after gifts and manifestations and all these things, maybe you should understand it's not about the gifts, it's about the giver. It's about God himself. Well, gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Uh, this is the ability, the gifts of tongues, is to speak in a language by the Holy Spirit, which um, the speaker has not learned. We see this displayed in, in uh, passages such as Acts 2, uh, day of Pentecost, and also uh, uh, to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 when Peter visited Cornelius. Um, it's a heavenly language or it's a foreign language. We see both. And tongues of men and angels. So it could be something where it could literally be, um, I've had situations where I've spoken in tongues in Spanish before. And I've spoken in tongues in a different language. And people have interpreted both. And so... Um, it's said that this ability is to pray in tongues is not, um, I have to say this because I wrote this down. It must be said that this ability to pray in tongues is not the evidence of the filling of the Spirit, but rather the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5 uh, is a sign that God is at work in your life. Sadly, I think um, this gift uh, in some churches has been so overemphasized to speak in tongues as a sign that you're being led by God that people seek this gift. They even so much so counterfeit it. Christians that love the Lord that are asking God and asking God, well, if you just had enough faith or if this, that. But even in this text, the Bible says, does all prophesy? Does all have the gift? Does all speak in tongues or interpretation tongues? And the answer is no. We're a body. We have different gifts. 
And so many people try to prove that they're spirit-filled, and they believe that, well, if you're really filled, then you'll speak in tongues. I just don't believe that's the case. I don't think that is what God's Word says. And so we know in 1 Corinthians 12, 20, that not every believer is given the gift or ability of one another, and the Bible says that's okay. It's actually good that we're all not left feet walking around. You know what I'm saying? That there's different manifestations and different gifts. Um, I know from my experience, uh, my mom, walking with her, knowing her, she speaks in tongues and has spoken in tongues. And my dad, who clearly is anointed by God, been pastoring for 40 years, has walked an incredible life and has an amazing ministry as a pastor, has never spoken in tongues. That's just a personal example. I know even in my life, there were many years as a pastor that I did not speak in tongues. I was wrestling with God. I was like, okay, God, you know, people just say, just ask. I'll receive it. I'm, I'm a really, you know. And it was in, in this moment where I said, okay, God, I feel like I just want to seek after you. If your word says it's true, it's true. I don't have to experience to know that this gift is true. So I'm just going to accept it. I've asked. If you don't give me this gift, no big deal. You clearly have given me a lot of other gifts. I'm good. Okay. Right after that, I was in a conference, a pastor's conference. There was a few hundred people. The person up in the front stage, if you can imagine this, uh, after is during worship or something like that, he just stops and says, hey, um, there's been someone here that's just desired to speak in tongues for so, like a lot of years. The Lord said, you can go ahead and have it. And I just started speaking in tongues out loud, just right then and there. It was almost for me the way God uses it is like, hey, you don't have to experience a uh, or have the gift of healing to know that the healing works, or have these things of tongues. And I don't say this just as my own experience. I give you those examples because I think a lot of people think, well, is tongues really real? Are they just making that up? We have God's word. This is where we get doctrine from. I'm just giving you an experience of what the God's word has already said, that not everyone speaks in tongues, okay? We have different gifts. Tongues have an important place in the devotional life of a believer, and actually, in the category of the gifts, Paul says it's one of the least of them, if you could believe it or not. Maybe that's why so many people have the gift of tongues, because it's actually one of the least of them. But it is important, and it does have a place in the corporate life of the church, like 1 Corinthians 14, 18, and 19 say, especially in a public meeting. But when tongues is practiced in a corporate life of the church, it should be done in order and there are parameters to best edify the body. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that. If everyone's just speaking in tongues, no one's going to be able to know. Many of you guys have had experiences of that, and so you're off-put by the reality of tongues. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28, I'll read it. It says, If any speak in a tongue, let there, only, uh, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let everyone or someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. And so this is, again, a powerful, beautiful thing. It edifies your spirit when you speak in tongues. Paul said, I pray you speak in tongues, and man, you be edified, but uh, I'd much rather in a public gathering speak five words of prophecy and edify someone else than a million tongues. And so it's okay to be singing in tongues and, and praying in tongues and, and, and exercising that gift. If we see or hear someone do that, we want to take time to ask for an interpretation, to pray for an interpretation so that we all can agree and say amen. And this is why this last gift, the gift of interpretation tongues, um, is so important. It's the ability to interpret by giving the sense of what has been delivered with the gift of tongues. Uh, it isn't necessarily a, a translation like a word-for-word, word, 
but an interpretation of what the Spirit wants to express. And so oftentimes in my experience, I've heard someone speak in tongues for like a minute, right, out loud. And then what ends up happening is someone interprets and it's just like a sins. It's very common that someone will speak in tongues for 30 seconds, 40 seconds, a minute, and then the interpretation is just more of a sentence or two. And that's okay. This is how God interprets and wants to edify the body in that. And he may only want to give a certain part to edify the body. The gift of tongues when interpreted, it actually strengthens the members of the church. And I know many people, in their minds, they knew the gift of tongues. They spoke in, in tongues. But there was something different when they spoke out loud. I know some of you guys, when we did that a couple weeks ago, you're like, please, God, don't have him call me. Don't have him call me, right? It's different to, like, speak in tongues in your private prayer language, and it's a very intimate thing than to be like, oh, man, the Holy Spirit's telling me to speak out loud. This is tough. Like, that's a scary thing. I get it. But it is important, and when that happens, the gift of interpretation is something where someone can interpret that and bless the body. I wrote this, the gift allows the gift, this gift allows the gift of tongues to be benefit for those other than the speaker as they are able to hear and agree with the tongue. So we say yes and amen. But notice someone can't interpret a tongue unless someone speaks out loud. And I just want to encourage you guys when it comes to the gift of tongues, it does, or not tongues, but the gifts. It doesn't matter what gift you operate in, you're always going to have to have faith. It's always going to be sketchy. Even if God gives you a gift of faith, it still took me to trust him to move across the states. Or when he directs you and says, hey, I think, I think uh, you get just this, this vision or information about a person, you're still going to have to trust God that that's a supernatural gift. And the Bible says in Peter, you have to exercise that gift. And people say, well, how do I know if this is of God or not? As you exercise it like a muscle, you actually get stronger and you develop. And you, sometimes you're like, I don't even know if this is of God. I just saw this picture in my head like, eh, but then as you express that and you have people in leadership tested and mature believers and say, okay, does that match the word or God give us interpretation? Um, you, could, you can actually see, oh, wow, that, that, that was a true vision and it came true. Like, for example, I had a vision in Washington State before I came to Florida of the exact location where we met for years as a church. I expressed to people I saw myself on a beach in southeast Florida like Google Maps. And I was at this place at a park, and it was a big body of water, and there was salt in it. But it wasn't the ocean. Now, you all know this because you are from Florida. That's called an intercoastal. I had no idea. I'm from Washington State. I didn't know between an intercoastal and a lake. I didn't even know there was that many alligators down here in south Florida, okay? I knew nothing about nothing. But in my vision, I literally saw where Veterans Park was. And years later, I was standing, and it was exactly where I saw it. And so now when I recall that, I say, I think that was from God. Now, when I had that, I was like, is this my imagination? I don't really know. I still did a whole testing. I went to Florida. We did a road trip. We prayed about things. We consulted mature things. But as you see these things come to exist, and maybe if God gives you a verse and you share it with someone, and they're like, that really ministered to me, you're encouraged to now... I'm going to minister to that person and share a gift again, share a verse again, okay? And this is often, it takes expression of faith to speak a tongue, to interpret those type of things, whatever it may be. Um, and so uh, God may prompt your spirit to speak in a tongue out loud, and that's great because it allows someone to interpret that, and we'll just pray for an interpretation. 
And oftentimes, this is a great way in, in between worship sets or there's a pause or if you feel that and you have hesitation or you feel like you have a vision that you want to share, you guys start hearing the language. And we're going to get into community groups. I'm so excited because what, what do we ask you every week? What is Jesus teaching in your life? Is there anything you want to share with the group maybe as you were praying? Do you have a vision to share or a verse? Or do you want to just like take time? Like we pray together and we display those gifts probably a lot more in community groups because we have... Uh, we can operate those things a little easier. In the Sunday gathering, we take our most of our time to publicly preach God's word and praise God's word. So we sing and we preach God's word. But there are also other gifts. And there's administration, and there's missions, and there's all this different stuff that the body life is a part of. And this is what we do. And so um, it's real, I'm really excited. If you have not signed up for a community group, uh, please do so. We want you to be a part of the work that God is doing, and we want to build one another up. Um, and so, tongues spoken in private can be, should be prayed all the time, but the Holy Spirit um, interprets as well when there's a public gathering. Uh, well, as Paul concludes this long list, he reminds us that all of these gifts are empowered by the same Spirit as He wills, as He wills. He wants us to walk in unity and power together. And Paul emphasizes that we need one another. God uses us, uses us all to strengthen one another. This is why we need to be in fellowship and um, have sweet times like we did of just being able to be in a community group or prayer meeting, worshiping God. Uh, the Holy Spirit manifests himself in different ways as we just are worshiping and exalting Jesus. Because remember, guys, it's all about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to point us to Jesus and build our faith. Um, I wrote this down. I feel like I went way longer than I wanted to, but oh well. He distributes these gifts as he wills. We don't need to compare ourselves to one another or to feel bad that we don't have a certain gift. That just needs to be said. I think in the world of social media and compromising or comparing one another, we always look at someone else's gift and say, oh, that's so amazing, that's so amazing. When God has made you uniquely made and given you spiritual gifts, some of you guys have the greatest gift of generosity that has blessed our church so much um, and blessed other people in our church. And it's behind the scenes and no one really even knows about it. The Lord knows. And you're operating that and you find so much joy in that. And don't be comparing yourself. Second Corinthians, Paul says it's unwise to do that. We elevate and lift and celebrate that there are many gifts in God's body and he distributes his gifts as he wills by his grace. Giftedness is never a sign of maturity. This is why character is so important and not necessarily gifts, but the fruit of the Spirit. God wants us to operate in these gifts in love. And we're to love one another through these things. And so I'll finish with this quote. Though the manifestations of the Spirit are given as the Spirit wills, the believer still must receive them with faith. He distributes and we receive. And the receiving and exercising of gifts is often very natural. Let's keep receiving all that the Lord has for us. Let's keep lifting up the name of Jesus and exalting him as our King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, and let's keep on waiting for God and understanding these things are to be operated in our lives and in our church. And so, you know, what we are going to do tonight is have a special Q&A. Uh, we're actually going to end our service. So if you have to go, great, no big deal. We're going to record it. Pastor Rob and I are going to talk about some questions that you have. If you still have questions, we'll give like a little five-minute break, uh, and then we'll go right into it. I don't want to take too much time, but I know that a lot of people 
had a lot of questions, and it was so cool and awesome as a pastor to explain some of these things and to talk uh, just when God demonstrated um, some of these gifts in our body a couple of weeks ago, to just see, like, to hear, like, that was the first time I ever heard tongues. Or, um, you know, I can't believe, you know, you talked about that, and, and I was able to pray, and just how the body was ministering to one another. And I just think it's so important. I think it's so important. We don't need to uh, manipulate, but I do think we need to make space and time for this. And as leadership, you need to know that we want you to operate in your gifts and your calling. That God has you here for a specific plan and purpose. And so I grew up in a culture where we were able to express that and wait upon the Lord, the presence of God. Because that's when we're talking about the manifestations of the Spirit. talking about the, the presence of God. We're seeking God, and He'll do what He will. And so we always want our church to be about Jesus and all about Him. And so uh, we're going to do these things called afterglow services, where we'll have a service like this, uh, we'll have a little break, and then we'll just wait in the presence of God. And sometimes that will literally be just singing some extra songs, praying with one another, um, asking God to reveal himself, to speak words to us. Maybe there'll be a tongue, interpretation tongue. Maybe God gives you a vision to be able to have space to just be in the presence of God. It's when we're still, he says, be still and know that I am God. And many people don't even know how to operate and just be still before the Lord. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be wild and crazy and oh, just amazing, which can be. But sometimes when you're just in the presence of God, just that conviction of the Holy Spirit and to know him personally is so good. And the reason why we call it an afterglow service in, in the Calvary movement is because we find this actually from Exodus. Because God, uh, Moses said, God, please show me your glory. I just want to see your glory in Exodus chapter, I think, 33. Is it 32 or 33? And uh, we see in Exodus, uh, God displayed his goodness to Moses. And he even went up to the Mount, Mount Sinai and got the law of the Lord and was in the presence of God. And you know what's crazy is when he was before the Lord, his life changed. He was transformed. He came back from the mountain. The Bible says he glowed. And people were like, what? So much so Corinthians talks about like he put a veil over his face, not because he was ashamed of the glow. He was ashamed that it went away. Because it was so important, so important as a leader, as a, a follower of God, to trust God, to be with God, and just to know Him and be in His presence. And so we're doing these afterglow services every other month to make sure that we are actually strategically taking time to just be in the presence of God in a way, not to be rushed, to enjoy it. Like, we're blessed to have a night service and to actually not be rushed and kicked out. There are other two great churches that meet in this facility and um, Barwick Road Church, I mean, they have to just have their service, and boom, now the next one comes in, then boom, the next one comes in. We can actually pause and wait, and just, maybe it will just be included of just like, just tons of prayer, and edification, whatever it may be, but we're going to take time to just practice the presence of God together, and exercise these gifts, and grow in these gifts together, and I think you'll be really blessed and encouraged, and so we'll let you know when those are coming up, and we also want to create a culture where in worship, if you have these things, again, talk to Pastor Robin who has a mic. You could just um, scream it out loud and let, let us know, like whatever it may be. It's not, it's not actually that big of a deal to operate and to take a step of faith. We want you guys to operate and take steps of faith. And if someone gives a word and says, thus says the Lord, as leadership here, we will test it. Because a prophet is subject to a prophet and is our role to say as elders, not to be afraid of these things, but remember, we're dealing with fire. Fire is crazy. It's dangerous. It could get a little wild. That's okay, because God actually says that's how he works. 
So if God just gives you a crazy message for someone, you're like, this must be nuts. He just gave me this word of knowledge, and you say it to someone, and they start breaking down and crying. That's probably of the Lord, and that's okay because he works in those ways sometimes, sometimes by day, sometimes by night. And I think in these last days, isn't it darker and darker? Don't we need more fire, the manifestations of the Spirit, the supernatural, to know that God is with us? And so that's my heart. That's what I want to do. I'm going to close the service with prayer. We'll take a five-minute break if you guys want to go to the restroom. If you want to leave, no big deal. We're going to record it. But I have some of your questions. You can feel free to come to the stage, give me more, and then we'll take another 15, 20 minutes just to do that. If we don't answer all these questions and we're going super late because of these questions, I will try to do a devotional this week to answer some of these questions as well. But I think it's really good to have Pastor Robin's perspective as well. And some of these questions, man, it's like super encouraging to hear. Hopefully, as I taught through this, it answered some of your questions, but we'll take time to do that, and um, let's pray, and we'll close out our service and uh, see where the Lord leads us next. God, we just thank you so much for this time, for this service, for, Lord, how you're working in our midst. And, Lord, we want to be Jesus' people. We want to lift you high in our holiness and our righteousness, and, and just following after you, Lord, you say that if we love you, we'll obey your word. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to walk in the ways of the Lord. So we need your revelation. We need your spirit to guide us, to direct us, to give us insight, to make us have a desire for your word. And Lord, we need your empowering to walk in your word. We know that these are the last days, Lord. We know that, um, Lord, we're going to be with you for all eternity. We want to love your appearing. We want to have a living hope. We, wanna, we don't want to be rushed it seems like everyone's so busy now that we've forgotten just to be still, to enjoy your presence, to walk in the supernatural. Lord, our salvation is a supernatural thing. We are not just fleshly or carnal, but we are spiritual. And you have saved us. You have redeemed us. You have made us spiritually alive and born again. And we want to grow in the Spirit. Lord, we know that if we walk in things of the flesh, it will reap corruption. But if we walk in the Spirit, it will bear forth life. We want to have a fruitful, abundant life in you, Christ. So help us to know what that means. Help us to continue to pursue and proclaim you, Jesus. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for how you're working everyone's life. And we just bless you. We thank you that we can open our Bibles and we can hear from you and be directed by you. And so we just pray that you would continue to do so. And we just thank you for this special season to talk about these things, to operate in these things. And we just thank you, Lord, that you're always at work in the day and in the night. And though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil, for you are with us. Thank you for being with us, Father. May you continue to be glorified through us as a church, as your people, as we gather together. As in your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.